Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope to Hear This podcast. And today, I hope Asian Americans struggling with identity hear this. All right, hey guys, welcome to the I Hope They Hear This podcast. And today, I have a special guest with me.、Uh, introduce yourself. Well, let me introduce you. I'll,、okay. I'll introduce the guest because it's a little rude to ask the guest to introduce themselves. <laughs> Um, this is Andrew Cho. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited、yes. to be here. Yeah, yeah. So、uh, we were chatting a little bit、uh, a week ago, or two weeks ago.、Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like you have a unique story to, well, not so unique that people won't be able to relate,、mm-hmm. but、um, it's an interesting story in, in terms of your identity as an Asian American, both the Asian and the American part. So,、yeah. Um, before we get into that, though, can I ask you to give us a little bit of a background on what you do, who you are? Yeah,、um, my name is Andrew, and I am an auditor at a company called Smith and Howard.、Hmm. Um, the way that I kind of found this role was I didn't really know what I wanted to do in college.、Um, I honestly wanted to do med school.、Hmm. That was kind of. My dream slash my parents'、mm-hmm. dream. I feel like it was a dream that was enforced on me. Like a lot of Asian Americans. But then I just kind of <laughs> grew to accept it. Right. And then, like, try to embrace it. But、mm. that was just kind of weird. But、um, so in college, I was studying to be a biomedical engineer.、Mm-hmm. Um, I gave up on med school. And so I was like, okay, well, I still want to be in the medical field. Wow, giving up on med school, you landed in biomedical engineering. Because、yeah. <laughs> I wanted to do something in medicine.、Uh-huh. So、I was like, okay, well, this is kind of like my way out.、Mm-hmm. I was pretty good at math, or so I thought.、Um, and so I tried that. And then、uh, my junior year ish, I. So a little bit about、um, the school I went to was UNC Chapel Hill.、Mm-hmm. Um, they changed the rules of graduation when、wow. I was like a sophomore、mm-hmm. in college. And you had to graduate in eight semesters. So, like, they didn't want super seniors there. So, what, what would have happened if you didn't have enough credits to graduate in eight semesters? So,、um, if you were to take a ninth semester,、mm-hmm. you had to get special permission from the dean of the major that you're graduating in. You had to also pay out of state tuition even if you were in state. Oh, wow. So that was like the incentive to not do it. So if you require permission, does that mean that people who wanted to have a ninth semester because they needed to, that there was a chance that they would just not be able to graduate?、Um, no. I think like if they were like really passionate about whatever they wanted to study,、mm-hmm. they would let it happen.、Mm-hmm. But if you're switching your major, they、uh... wouldn't let you switch to something. Gotcha. That you couldn't like finish on time unless you had like a really good reason to. Right. So, being in biomedical engineering, I took a bunch of like physics,、hmm. biology, chemistry, and math classes. Yeah. And so, when I changed, I knew I had to change to like one of the four because I didn't、uh, want to take like、right. summer school and all this stuff. Yeah. And so, I figured math was the easy way out,、mm-hmm. though it really wasn't. But. And so I ended up getting a math degree in college. And so then I graduated. And then I was like, what am I supposed to do with this math degree?、Mm. Then I was talking to my 
uncle and like just other people and they were telling me like oh hey like you like math so you should go into accounting um i actually really strayed away from the business field mm. and i think the reason why was because my brother was pursuing the business field and like i always wanted to do things like different different than my brother interesting i didn't like following in huh. his footsteps it's weird <laughs> that's interesting because i was kind of the opposite i mm -hmm. wanted to do similar stuff to my brother mm -hmm. only to prove that i could do it better oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that is really interesting i i think i took the sat over again i had the score um, necessary to go to the school i wanted to mm -hmm. but i took it a second time just to beat my brother's score oh, and wow. For a time, I was studying for the LSATs to go to to get into a law school, mm -hmm. just because my brother was in law school. But then <laughs> I, I I was like screw it midway through because I got a job. But yeah, oh, yeah, 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 that's interesting. So interesting. Yeah, yeah, so I like I try to do everything <laughs> opposite of my brother, mm. and so my brother was like an accounting finance major minor. I don't know which one was which, but mm. um, he was in that business field, and so I always strayed away from it. But people were telling me, like, hey, you should try accounting. Like, mm. you think very logically. You think you'll be good at it. And so that's actually how I kind of got into accounting. I didn't okay. actually take an accounting class until I was, like, 25. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was pretty late. So were you a... Did you have to get... Oh, did you take a ninth semester in order no. to do this? Oh, okay. Yeah, so um, I got my degree mm -hmm. at Carolina. In, in math? In math. Right. Okay. And then for like four years, I tutored at a place called C2 Education. Oh, yeah. It's pretty popular <laughs> in Atlanta. <laughs> um, and so um, I tutored there for like four years. So pretty much any math or science subject. So mm. up to AP Bio, AP Chem, AP Physics, AP Calc. I tutored anything wow. in that range. And then um, so I finally decided to commit to this accounting thing. Um I decided to take an online class because I had to for the master's program that I was applying to mm -hmm. at Georgia State. Um, I needed principles of accounting one and two. Mm. So I took this online class and that was kind of like my, if I, like testing the waters. Mm. So if I like it or if I'm terrible at it, then I won't do it. Mm. But if I like it, if I'm good, then I was like, okay, maybe I can make a career out of it. Right, right. And so... Um, it caught on for me and so I did really well in those classes and so I applied and then they accepted me got my master's and now I'm an auditor oh, okay mm -hmm. Audit so what is the difference I'm going to ask you specifically auditing uh -huh. is that kind of an, um, a special version or a special track in accounting or how does that work Um. yeah so the two major fields, I guess you will, mm -hmm. in public accounting is you either go into audit or you go into tax. Okay. So those are the two major fields. They have like smaller ones that you can kind of go in later in your career. But um, when I was in my master's program, they asked me to pick one. Uh. Because like when you go to these job fairs, they want like people who know what they want mm. so they're like just pick one mm. and then go with it um i figured auditing would be better because you get to travel a little bit more which is what i wanted to do and then also like you're not stuck in a cube mm. all day 
Um, your friends see. aren't always asking you to do their taxes. <laughs> yeah, so that's the thing about accounting. Uh-huh. Um, everyone always asks me tax questions, uh-huh. and I'm like, I use TurboTax <laughs> just like you do, yeah. unless you hire your own accountant. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I really, I mean, for my CPA exam, I had to like learn tax because mm-hmm. that's one of the parts of the CPA exam, but I would not say I'm like a tax expert or know any real knowledge about tax Mm. that's actually a good segue because i was going to ask you Mm -hmm. because there was that time where you passed all your cpa tests and you're really happy Mm -hmm. and then it was like a a month or so later Mm -hmm. when you're like wait a minute something (laughs) happened can you explain that a little bit yeah um so make sure if you are applying for your cpa that you understand all the requirements um this is a disclaimer for people wanting to get their cpa but in georgia um, they have, so each state has its own application requirement. Mm-hmm. Um, in Georgia, um, you need 150 hours, um, like thir- credit hours, credit hours mm-hmm. of school. 30 of those hours have to be upper level accounting. It doesn't have to be a master's program, but it just has to be upper level accounting. Mm-hmm. And then 24 hours have to be business classes or business related classes doesn't have to be accounting doesn't have to be upper level or anything just has to be business related Mm -hmm. and so i read this and i thought that my upper level accounting would also count towards these business classes Uh, uh but it turns out you can't double dip Uh. and so being in college and taking math classes and biomedical engineering classes i didn't take a single business class oh snap and so I applied, and they kicked back my application. They're like, you're missing 24 credit hours of business classes. So you, you took all the tests, and with all the tests completed, yes. you applied for your CTA license? Yes. And that's when they kicked it back? Yes. Wow. So like, also part of the application, you have to get 1,000 hours of work mm. in the accounting field. Mm-hmm. So that's about a year of work. Yeah. So um, I met my year. I passed all four exams. I was like, all right, this is it. So I applied, <laughs> and then they kick it back, and they're like, you have to go and take eight more classes. Um, wow. They can be any kind of business classes. So it could be like business 101, or I don't know what kind of business classes there are, but like very basic level business classes. And I was like, this is kind of pointless. Yeah, because um, you took all your tests, you yeah. passed them, yeah. proving that you are worthy of a CPA license. Exactly. Yeah. And so... Um, yeah, I actually ended up applying in North Carolina mm-hmm. because North Carolina has the same requirements, but there's one loophole. If you have a master's degree, like finance or accounting or anything business related, mm-hmm. it trumps those 24 oh, credit hours. Uh-huh. And so you can get your license that way. Okay. So CPA licenses, are they different? So I, I know for, I only know this because my brother went to law school, but mm-hmm. for the bar, mm-hmm. right, if you pass in the state, mm-hmm. there are certain states where it's similar enough that you can practice in those states. But mostly if if you get your your bar in like Philadelphia, you can only practice in Philadelphia unless you're practicing like federal law. Is that is that same thing with accounting or? Yeah. So that's the weird thing. Um, each state has its own application process, mm-hmm. but the license is 
like nationally recognized. Interesting. So it's not like if I move to like Montana, then I have to go and retake the CPA exam. Kind of huh. like the bar, you have to like retake it per yeah. state, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't have to retake any exams or anything. I just have to meet the requirements of that state to mm. get it transferred over or something like that. Oh. Which doesn't make any sense. So, to me. but were you only able to do that in North Carolina cuz you went to school there and you you have like family there and stuff or is it Yeah, so I talked to my partners about it uh -huh. and they were saying that there's a rule or like a loophole kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um where you can get a CPA license in like a neighboring state. Wow. And then also we do audit some companies in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. So like technically it's okay interesting but i'm not signing any like audit reports or anything so the cpa license really isn't like super useful mm -hmm. until you're like at a partner level mm -hmm. and you're like signing reports and that's like your stamp on this report saying like this is good to go kind of thing wow so you went from almost having to go back to school for like some really basic level business classes <laughs> yeah. to finding a way not to do that right mm -hmm. wow so that's actually really good advice for people in that very specific situation yes yeah that, that's good to know <laughs> so that you you mentioned um, you went to uh, UNC Chapel Hill yes so you grew up in North Carolina yes um, i was born in baltimore maryland but okay. i moved to north carolina when i was like four oh. so do you remember baltimore at all um i do i actually have some family friends Oh okay. Like, well, I guess our parents were friends first, and right. by default we became friends. <laughs> right. Um, but like we still keep in touch. Um, mm. so um, yeah. But I moved to a city called Roanoke Rapids. Roanoke Rapids, okay. Yeah, in North Carolina, it's like on the coast-ish. Mm. Is that close to any major city? Not that I know. No. Of. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I lived there for like a year and then, uh, we moved to Greensboro, North Carolina. Okay. I know that. Um, <laughs> it's by Winston-Salem. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So we moved there when I was like five or six. Mm. I remember starting kindergarten in Greensboro. Mm. So whatever age that was. Mm. And then I lived there pretty much my whole life. Um, and there aren't really that many Asian Americans there, right? No. Um, there are some, hmm. but in the part of Greensboro that I grew up in, um, I, there's like maybe four or five other Asian people at my school. Wow. Yeah. The elementary school? Like when you were starting? Elementary school, I would say there was probably even less. Yeah. Cause maybe it's similar to Atlanta. Atlanta used to be. Atlanta didn't have that many, or Koreans at least. Mm -hmm. Atlanta didn't have that many Koreans when I first moved here. Oh, really? Um, but the population kind of blew up. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if it's similar in Greensboro. Um, I think parts of Greensboro are definitely more like Korean populated. Mm -hmm. But it's still nowhere near Atlanta. Atlanta has. Yeah. We, so. have, we have so much good Korean food. Yeah. Yeah. And because there's no like competition mm. in like North Carolina, like, I never want to eat Korean food in North Carolina or like mm, out. I see. Because you're paying like double the price that you would pay here. And for a quality food that's not that quality. Yeah. Right? I mean, like it's good. But mm. You yeah. could get the same quality here for much cheaper. Right, right. So. 
I know uh, I visited my in-laws in Panama City, mm-hmm. uh, Panama City Beach, and um, their Korean food there, they had like one restaurant, and it was not that good. But <laughs> that's like the only option, so yeah. you're, you kind of have to go there if you want Korean food. So Pretty much. I know how that feels. <laughs> yeah. So growing up with no other Asian Americans, mm-hmm. uh, how do you think that affected you, your identity-wise? Because when I think of myself growing up, uh, I, I was born in Korea and I moved to California, but it was an easy transition for me because LA has a ton of Korean people. So right. even in the school where I started, I didn't speak any English, but there were enough Korean kids around me to translate for me and to help me out. So it was a pretty smooth transition for me but for you i kind of ask how how it was growing up yeah um so in school i definitely went through a lot of different like identities if you will Mm. um so um because like i wanted to fit in um I'm not very good at, like, just being like, this is who I am. You need to accept me for who I am. I want to, like, blend. Uh. And so um, when I was in elementary school, it really wasn't as bad. But I'd say starting in middle school, um, I started, like, the the demographic of my middle school, it was, like, 80% African-American and, like, 10% white and then, like, Actually, fifteen percent white, like five percent other, mm. like Hispanic, Asian, whatever. And so, um, being that or being in that kind of atmosphere, I definitely just wanted to be black. Mm. Um, I like wore all the hip hop clothing, like Sean John, mm. South Pole. I don't know if this really resonates. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no, no. Boo boo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fat Farm. Yeah. Um, so I really wore a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, and then like. In the early 2000s, it was more like wearing baggy clothing. Right. So my clothes were like super, super, like super. Jinkos, those huge pants with the. Oh, I didn't have those. Yeah, oh, okay. But I, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and like I wanted like Air Force Ones and things like that. And mm. then so that was kind of like what I like try to form to be. Mm. Like, the way I talked, the way I like um, interacted with people. And then, like, I didn't really realize this until later on, but, like, I was essentially, like, that token Asian kid Mm. in my friend group. Um, Like, and back then, there was no such thing as, like, PC culture. Right. So your friends would just say whatever racist thing that they wanted to say to you. But not because of racist, just because I feel like they really didn't know. Yeah. And so, like, um, the way that I kind of dealt with that was... I just kind of embraced people's ignorance. So, mm. like, when people, like, I know people, when people ask them, like, hey, are you Chinese? Like, they get really offended. Mm. But, yeah. like, for me, I was just like, yeah, I'm Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> and then someone else asked think, me, like, if I was Japanese, I'd be mm. like, yeah, I'm Japanese. Mm. Um, that's just kind of how I dealt with it. Huh, interesting. Um, just because I was like, I don't want to correct everybody. Mm. And then back then, like, k-pop wasn't really a thing in yeah, America, yeah so like people weren't aware of korea yeah as a country i think yeah just as a whole in the u.s mm-hmm. a lot of people just equated asian americans to chinese people 
Exactly. I think population uh, percentage-wise, it was probably way more Chinese. In, pro- in the West Coast, there's a lot of Japanese, um, but Korean people weren't. We, there weren't that many of us in at least the national perspective. Yeah. 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 So I, I know what you mean. I, I would get excited when I saw like Korean wording on the background on TV shows and things like that. Oh. <laughs> I'd be like, whoa, that, that's Korean. Like, yeah. Cause like it was so like, you didn't see that yeah. at all. It's whenever it's Asian American, it's always Chinese. Mm-hmm. But now like when, if you watch things like, like Marvel, uh, Avengers two, they're mm-hmm. in Korea. Oh yeah. In Black Panther, they're in Korea as well. Like, oh. yeah. So Korean uh, Americans as a culture, I think, is pretty well established now, mm-hmm. um, and is thanks to you know, K-pop and things like that as well. But, yeah. 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 And so, um, like, so that's kind of just how I wanted to blend. Hmm. And then, like, I went to high school, and then. Um, so the weird thing about my like schooling district was that like I was kind of like in the getaway area, if mm-hmm. you will. And then when you go to high school, it was like everyone that was in middle school with me went to this high school. But mm-hmm. then there was another middle school that was like in the richer, more preppy part of town. Mm-hmm. And then like half of them also got mixed in with my high school okay and so then there i was still like one of like five asian people but then there was like a lot more white people around so Mm. then i like went through this like skater phase (laughs) um i think like i went through this like preppy polo phase like i don't know did you did you ever do the double collar I never did that because oh, I okay. thought that was like really pretentious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I did do the like um, you match the undershirt like with the polo logo, like the color. Oh, okay. I don't know if you ever did. That. I don't. I never. But yeah, I so I did that. do that. But, wow. Um. Yeah, and then, yeah, and then there, like, I would be in these like friend groups, but like for me too, I, ne- I didn't really have like one specific friend group. I was mm. like a floater. So I got along with everybody and I never really experienced like bullying per se, I think, just because I was that guy that just kind of accepted it. I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm Chinese. So like, you can't really bully me if I don't react to whatever right. you're saying. Yeah. And so like, I just would kind of float around and then like, I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I didn't want to be in America. I wanted to like move to Korea for a really long time. Oh, wow. When I was younger. Even though, like, my Korean was super poor back then. Still not super great, but better. Um, But then, yeah, like, I was, like, I just felt so lost. And and so you just wanted to be somewhere where all the other people were just like you. Yeah. Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Interesting. I was like, maybe if I'm around people who, like, look like me, then it'll be easier to fit in. Hmm. I don't know yet. I still have never been to Korea, so I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> <But> <laughs> You've yeah. never been to Korea? I've never been to Korea. Wow, that's that's pretty rare for a Korean-American to not have. Yeah, random tangent. Uh-huh. Um, so I've never been to Korea, and so my parents were like, I think I was graduating from college, mm-hmm. and my parents were like, okay, we're going to send you, like your cousin's getting married, like we're going to send you and your mom to Korea. 
And then I think like three months before we were supposed to go, I get a call from my dad. And he was like, yeah, like we don't have enough money. So like we can't send you guys. <laughs> and so I was thinking like I can't go and my mom can't go. Uh-huh. And then like three weeks later, my brother calls me and he was like, so, you know, mom's going to Korea, right? <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? Right so now? they just cut you off. Yeah, and <laughs> but they try to make it sound like we both weren't going, mm. but it was just me. Oh, man. So that was my one chance. And no, I mean, now that you're making your own money, you can you yeah. can go whenever you want. Right? That's true. Yeah. I am saving up. Yeah. I'll try to go. Yeah. Okay. So, so back to the main topic. Mm-hmm. You realize that you were kind of this floater identity. Mm-hmm. So did you kind of have different masks when you were in different friend groups? You acted a certain way with these friends, but you acted differently with these other friends. Yeah. Things like that. I guess essentially mm. that's what I was doing. Mm. Um, just because like, I'm also like a people pleaser, so I wanted to be liked by everybody. Mm. And so like, if I was with this certain group of people, I would talk like them. And so, like, I can, like, adapt very well, Mm. but, like, still, I think at the root of it, I was just, like, I don't really belong to any friend group, and it was was hard. So, what do you think made you want to go to Korea? So, I'm assuming you were, well, actually, let me ask you this question. While you were this floater friend, Mm -hmm. did you not like that you were kind of, didn't have a single identity? Yeah, I think it was just because um, when I was in school, like, it seemed like, like, if you were in, like, one friend group only, Mm -hmm. like, you, like, hung out with them all the time, Mm -hmm. inside school, outside school, and whatever. So I feel like because I was, like, a floater, I never really had that. Mm. Like, I would get invited sometimes, but it wasn't, like... You're always invited. Right. Things like that. And so, um, and then, like, being kind of like that token Asian in Mm. every friend group, I got a lot of, like, racist comments Mm. that always, like, and sometimes it's not even, like, bad things. Because, you know, and I want to say racist. I say more, like, stereotypes and stuff like that. Because, like... Um, you know, I was Asian. They were like, oh, well, you're good at math, so can you do my calculus homework? I'm like, mm. no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. So yeah. It, it wasn't just the fact that you were dissatisfied with kind of your identity, but you also didn't want to stick out, right? You, yeah. You didn't like receiving these comments, even though they weren't necessarily always bad. Yeah. It's just the fact that they were, you know, aiming those comments at you just because of your skin color right, right. Oh, okay mm-hmm. wow. like i think deep down it really bothered me right yeah of course but like i didn't want to show them that it bothered me mm. so i just learned to like just joke on myself right like i would always make like chinky eye jokes and mm. like things like that on myself so like people couldn't do that first mm. so yeah and so okay so then this is high school mm-hmm. and and can, I, can we ask, what happened when you went to college? Because high school and college, no matter what city it's in, mm-hmm. it's always drastically different because there's so many transient people in and out of, in and out of college, right? So UNC Chapel Hill is a big university, so a lot of people come from different parts of the country. Mm-hmm. So how, how was that, adjusting from kind of your 
set group of people that you kind of knew all throughout your schooling life mm -hmm. going into this new environment? Um, so a little bit before I went to college, mm -hmm. um, still in high school, I went to this school called North Carolina School of Science and Mathematics. Okay. Um, it's a public residential high school, so mm -hmm. I don't have to pay any money to be there, but like the taxpayers pay for the school, mm -hmm. but you live on campus. Oh, wow. Like boarding school kind of? So it's kind of like boarding school without having to actually pay anything. Wow. And like the incentive for me to go was if you graduate, well, I don't think they do this anymore, but as long as you graduated from there, you would get full tuition to any in-state college. Wow. Public. Wow. So not like Duke or Wake Forest. Okay. But like NC State, UNC, any UNC school pretty much. So wait, why would they do that? Because they're, they're paying for your schooling. Mm-hmm. And they're promising to pay for your tuition and university as well? Yeah. Well, I mean, they're not really paying for the schooling. Right, right. The taxpayers are Right, right. Paying. But, yeah, I don't really know how the finances of that work. Is it just uh, they were trying to promote math and sciences or something like that? Or? Yeah. So that school, um, it was uh, pretty difficult in mm. the sense that, like, I thought I was really smart. <laughs> until I went to this school. <laughs> um, like, I never really had to try in school. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, I went there, and it was, like, a rude awakening. Mm. Because, like, you could take college-level classes there. Wow. So I took, like, orgo in high school. Wow. I took, like, Organic chemistry. Yeah. Wow. I took um, Calc 3. Wow. Um, multivariable calculus. And, like... Took like a number theory class. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> number theory. Okay. And I felt pressured to do that mm. because so the demographic of that school was completely different mm. from what I'm used to. So I went to the school and it was like I'd say like fifty percent Asian. Wow. Um So what what grade were you in when you went to the school? Junior. Okay, so you did two years in your kind of hometown high mm -hmm. school and then two years at this fancy new high school. Mm -hmm. And so you went from being one of five Asians mm -hmm. to being almost like half of. Yeah. Wow. Okay. To being like the majority. Wow. So like, yeah. So that really was so different for me mm. because like the Asians too, like, or I guess Korean specific, mm -hmm. a lot of them are pretty fobby. Hmm. And for those of you who don't know, FOB means fresh off the boat, meaning that they are uh, very, uh, how do I put this politically? They stick to their culture from their originating country. Um, so they prefer, well, they're just more used to that culture. Mm -hmm. So they, yeah. they, you can kind of tell um, based on how they dress, how they talk, mm -hmm. how they act, that um, they're a little bit different. In, in terms of how they behave societally, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So I met all these Korean people uh -huh. and they like new Korean culture. They mm. like listen to K-pop. They watch Korean dramas and like all this stuff. And like, I had no exposure mm. to any of this stuff. Um, and so like, but then they saw that I was Korean Yeah. and they like, wanted to be my friend so it was really weird hmm. um it was weird that they wanted to be my friend 
based off just how I looked because、mm. before it seemed like because of how I looked I had to try hard to blend in、mm. and like I couldn't just be myself I guess and so um yeah that kind of carried on into college so I got some exposure to like Korean culture、mm-hmm. and I was like okay so this is Like who I'm supposed to be,、hmm. right? And so, like in college, I just surrounded myself with a bunch of Korean people. Okay. Like, I only made friends really with Korean people. I mean, I have other friends in other groups, but like, I guess college is different because you're not like forced to hang out with certain people.、I、right.、Guess. You like, make your own friends. Yeah, you make your own friends. Yeah. And so, and because it's so large. Like there's just like a huge population of every kind of ethnicity, right? It was easy to just hang out with those kinds of people if you wanted to.、Mm. Um, so I got really immersed in that culture.、Um, I was watching like K drama.、Um, I was listening to K pop. Wow.、Um, yeah, my K pop stint was very short, <laughs> short lived. <laughs> It's just like Big Bang. <laughs> That's like it. <laughs>、um, but. Yeah, I was listening to stuff like that, and I was like trying to learn Korean. I wanted to read Korean. I wanted to write Korean. I took Korean in college,、mm. just because I wanted to learn more about like the grammar and not feel like an idiot <laughs>、yeah. when my friends would text me in Korean and it would take me forever to read what they were <laughs> saying. Um. So, yeah, like that's kind of just what I immersed myself in.、Mm. But then, even then. I feel like I didn't fully belong、mm. because they were like, I guess, too Korean for me. I don't know how right, to say、right. that. No, I see, but yeah, like I, I they were a lot、mean. more Korean, and like I was pretty American in my ways.、Mm. So I didn't follow the whole like Insa culture. If like you were older than me and things like that. So, right, then where you kind of have to greet them with a bow, kind、yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So, <laughs>、um, yeah. So like and things like that.、Um, I'm really bad at chundemar, which is like speaking up, like formal speech. Formal speech, right, right. yeah. Which is like what you're supposed to do,、mm. in, like Korean. And it wasn't that I was just didn't want to do it. It's just I didn't know any、right. better, just because、right. I never really had to deal with that. Yeah. Other than speaking to my parents.、Mm. Um. And so, even then, I was still kind of like, I don't know what's going on.、Mm-hmm. But yeah, wow. So that's that's interesting you say that because in the high school that I went to,、mm-hmm. there are actually two groups of Koreans. There are the Fabi Koreans、mm-hmm. who really practice the whole Korean culture of you know bowing when you see someone who's older,、mm-hmm. and not even like we're talking about like a grade above you. Right. They expect you to bow. Yes. And There's like two ways of speaking in Korean. There's formal way and there's informal. You speak the formal way when you speak to your parents, your elders. You speak informally when you're speaking to your siblings or your friends and things like that. But、mm-hmm. like a junior will expect a sophomore to speak formally to them. Yes, because that's that's just kind of how it is in Korea.、Mm-hmm. Uh, and so、uh, those people were their own group,、mm-hmm. and I was part of the Korean Americans where、oh, okay. we we were. Definitely more into the American culture. We spoke English to each other. Like the Fabi Koreans, they only spoke spoke Korean to each other. Yes. Our friends, we only spoke English. We 
only held on to some parts of the culture that our parents passed down to us, but we didn't really care about how you, like formal or versus informal speech, mm-hmm. like bowing. That was weird to us and, mm-hmm. and things like that. So, so for me, it makes complete sense that you were kind of weirded out by them mm-hmm. because it sounds like you were definitely more American in, in your culture, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so you, you probably there was probably a culture clash there. Right. Yeah, a pretty big culture clash. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember uh, we used to, well, not me. I, I was always kind of quiet and in the background, but my friends would always like have beef with the Korean, like the Fobby Koreans <laughs> for some reason. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was a pretty big thing, I think. Yeah, yeah. At yeah. our school too, like mm-hmm. the Korean Americans and then like the people from like the international students. Mm. They like had beef. So you. Were you mostly just acquainted with the more fobby Koreans? Because I, I would assume there are more Americanized Koreans at UNC as well, right? Yeah. So I think I wasn't really in like either or. Mm. Um, there was like a group of Koreans where like they were like from Korea, mm-hmm. but they came kind of at an earlier age and then they like had that korean part of them but then growing up just a little bit in america they kind of had like the american western culture Mm. about them too so i feel like those are where most of my friends belong so they would like text me in korean or english Mm. or like they would use both it wasn't like i wasn't on like either extreme i feel like right so oh interesting yeah. So would you say that you're because in high school when you were wishing that you could move to Korea mm-hmm. after having surrounded yourself with Koreans, was it all that you hoped and dreamed for? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, as I was saying, like, yeah, I still just felt like I didn't belong. Mm. Um, I was like, OK, this is nice. Um, I get to learn about my culture and like things like that mm-hmm. but it still felt like i was just like i didn't like fully belong because they would do things that i would be like why do i have to do that like the bowing culture right like they would know enough sense to just bow mm. to the really korean people but like for me i would just be like hey what's up right <laughs> and then they'd be like how old are you? Yeah, That's like yeah. always the first question they would ask me. Like, how old are you? Yeah. I'm like, I'm like 21. They're like, I'm like 24. I'm like, oh, well, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you want me to do with that information. Right. Okay. Mm. But yeah, so. Okay. So then how, did, when you graduated college, would you say you had more clarity to where your kind of identity stood or were you just still kind of f- floating? I think... For me, like during that time, mm. um, even though I didn't felt like I belonged anywhere really externally, mm-hmm. I think as far as like my own self-confidence and who I was as a person, I think I just kind of learned to embrace that like I have this like Western American culture in me, mm. but I am also open to this Korean culture mm. as well. And because I guess... I have respect from where I came from. I don't know if that's the right wording, but mm-hmm. like because of that, I was like, well, I need to learn and I need to like 
know how to behave in case I'm ever in like in a situation where mm. I am more around just like Korean people versus like American people. Right. Because I mean, like at our church, mm-hmm. you kind of need to know how to behave with the adults. Right. Because they're straight from Korea. Well, mm-hmm. most of them. Most of them have been here for like decades, mm-hmm. but they're still very Korean. Yes. So you kind of need to know whether to, when you have to bow to them, when it's appropriate to mm-hmm. behave certain ways and things like that. So, so would you say you kind of reconciled within yourself, at least internally, your identity between being Korean and American? Yeah. Okay. Um, I would definitely say so, um, which kind of leads me to like where I am now. Mm. Yeah, yeah, let's get into that. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, being at Smith & Howard, I feel like every company talks about, like, being diverse mm. and, like, wanting diversity within their workplace. Mm-hmm. But, like, I read that online. But then when I actually went in for the interview, I noticed, like, there was, like, two Korean or, like, two Asian people. I don't mm. know if they're Korean or not. Yeah. But there's, like, two or three Asian people and then me. And I was like, so you guys talk about diversity, (laughs) but you guys aren't really that diverse. Um, And so, like, I have found, like, making conversation with them is a lot harder. In what way? Um, Because I think when I was younger, I was able to create or, like, loosen the tension mm-hmm. by making me the butt of the joke mm. to, and like by saying like stereotypical comments and things like that about myself mm-hmm. and then laugh at myself but then now i think being in this like pc culture like you can't really say stuff like that yeah you, you know what's crazy even if you said something that was offensive to you uh-huh. other people will get offended for you yeah and they'll They'll be like, why are you saying that? That's yeah. so offensive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Because, like, I've tried question. it a couple times. <laughs> uh-huh. And, like, they're, like, they would look at me like, Andrew, why did you just say that? Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. That's just, like, how I'm so used to, like, interacting mm. with, like, just American people. Like, because that's all I did when I was growing up, mm-hmm. like, in middle school and high school. And then, like, I just come back to a place where it's like predominantly American mm. and then I'm like oh well I guess this is how I need to act but oh. it's like harder because like yeah they'll like give me weird looks and stuff like so that so you kind of regressed well I don't I don't know if regressed is the right word but mm-hmm. you kind of went back to when how you were in high school right but you're in a completely different setting now yeah and also a very different life stage so mm-hmm. oh interesting so like lately I'm finding myself like in a lot of turmoil of how to just make conversation Mm. with these people um i really like sports so that's kind of just my Mm go-to but then if they're not interested in sports i don't know what to talk about Mm. because like i feel like they're i'm like really i guess like hyper aware of whether someone is into the conversation or not Mm. so like if i start just talking about like I guess, like, my upbringing, they're kind of, like, they don't understand my upbringing because mm. they had a different upbringing, and then it's just, like, they just kind of look at me with, like, 
glossed over my eyes sometimes. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, that's cool. Wow. At least you know a little bit about me now. So is the age group, are there people similar to you in age there? or? Yeah, there's actually a lot of people who are around my age. Mm. Um, I say between like 26 and 31-ish. Mm-hmm. There's actually like quite a few people in that age range. Wow. Yes, I can totally relate because when I first started working straight out of college, mm-hmm. the whole respect thing is so embedded in me that my manager, my first manager, who was, he retired like three years after I joined the company. Mm-hmm. That's how old he was. But I just felt like I needed to show him respect. So I started calling him Mr. Gorman. Mm-hmm. But he was like, you can just call me Dave. Like it was really weird for him that I, I would say say that. So mm-hmm. there are definitely things that were almost programmed into us that we have to almost reprogram. Yes. Right. Like there, there are things that we are so used to mm-hmm. that we have to realize, recognize, and say, okay, we can't behave like that anymore. So we got to change. Yeah. I can totally relate because like one thing about our firm is like. They really stress like, oh, we have an open door. So like just because I'm a partner doesn't mean like you can't come talk to me Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And like for me, that's just weird because (laughs) they would talk to like a partner and a staff would talk to each other like they're friends. Mm. But their like age gap is like 15 years yeah, or whatever the case may be. I don't know how old they are, but um, it would be like in that range. And so I'm like what like how how does this work and Mm. so i think i understand what you're saying about the whole reprogramming thing like i have to just kind of approach it where like i can just talk to you like you're a normal person Mm. but i think for me when i see like drastic age difference it's more like of the respect culture where i feel like I have to show that respect to that person just because they're like that much older than me. Right. But if you're like two or three years older than me, I'm like, yeah, whatever. I don't really care. But if you're like old enough to be my dad, then yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm sure a lot of Asian Americans who are, who have a specific upbringing in, in terms of how much exposure they had to the Eastern culture. Mm hmm. I would I would assume that they a lot of us have a hard time really assimilating I guess mm-hmm. into the Western work culture because it's not just it's it's kind of a twofold change right it's stepping from a very structured education world mm-hmm. into a very much less structured work life because mm-hmm. in college even in college you're kind of told what you have to do and you can't really make your own hours things like that but in in the work world you can kind of just do whatever you want you know another funny story when i first started working i every time i went to lunch i told my manager i said hey i'm gonna step out for lunch and by like the third day he's like hey i I appreciate what you're doing but you really don't have to tell me when you go eat oh interesting yeah yeah so that that was how much for me like how much i had to work through Mm -hmm. um to to kind of understand all the nuances the differences um so yeah so there's the eastern versus western Mm -hmm. difference as well overlaid on the whole student versus worker Mm -hmm. or employee um so yeah it's a it's a very drastic transition right yeah 
for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So how are you still struggling with that? Do you feel like you've made progress in kind of adjusting or? Yeah, I would definitely say that I've made some progress. Mm. Um, it's just more of now, like now that I just kind of I'm trying to see everybody kind of on this like equal mm. playing field. Mm -hmm. It's just more about like making small talk with them mm -hmm. because I'm just bad at making small talk. <laughs> and so that's not really a cultural thing, but I'm yeah. just bad at making small talk. So like I have to like figure out a way to like talk to them and be personable. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's been I feel like that's been the challenge for me lately. But yeah, I think at first it was really hard for me and some of the feedback that I got in like my last like career meeting, career development meeting mm -hmm. was that like I didn't talk to the partners enough. Oh, but wow. like for me, I guess the way that I always approached it was like why would I go to them first? to talk about something random the when whole, they're like important and they have better things to do than talk to me <laughs> that's the whole don't speak unless you're spoken to kind of right upbringing that we have right? yeah so huh. like it would just be like weird if i just like pop my head in but mm. then like i see people do that all the time so i feel like oh, i should just do that so mm. i've been making more of an effort to try to just like talk to partners and stuff and mm. make it seem like Oh, yeah. Like, I can talk to you. I mean, I have no issues. It's just, like, kind of weird for me just because mm. I feel like I should call you sir and <laughs> say, like, you know, like, thank you very much instead of just, like, thanks. Right, yeah. right, right. But, yeah. So, and also, one thing I feel like I kind of know about you is mm -hmm. you don't... You're, participating in popular culture doesn't really interest you that much, right? Yeah. In terms of like really popular movies or TV shows and things like that, you don't, unless you're interested in them initially, you're not super. I think, yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like, yeah, I kind of noticed that about myself lately too. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like it's just more of, I felt for a while, like with the whole like social media. Mm-hmm age mm -hmm. like i found myself getting very like worked up i guess about seeing people's feed mm -hmm. because not like at them but at myself because i was like why can't i do better and like why can't uh. i because like you know their feed is pretty much all good things yeah yeah i don't post anything bad on yeah. social media so like i would see all these all my friends like traveling and doing all this stuff and so i was like oh i don't want to do that Mm. Or like I don't want to like keep seeing this and just feeling bad about myself. Mm. So like I just tune all of that out, oh. including like pop culture and stuff like that. Like I'm just like I don't. I feel like I don't need to learn or watch these things to fit in. Like right. I can just be myself now. Yeah. So like if I like it, I'll watch it. But then if I don't, then I just avoid it. Yeah, and that's a true statement. Yeah. I only bring it up because sometimes it's the easiest way to make small talk. Yes. Like, I I don't watch, I never watched Game of Thrones, mm -hmm. but at my work, everyone was crazy about it. So right. every Monday, that's all they talked about. And I would just sit in my corner and just not talk to them because I didn't know. And so, yeah, I don't know if, for those of you guys listening out there, if 
there was a place that you wanted to go to to mine for some small talk material, <laughs> popular culture, maybe. Um, yes. Yeah. I think I realized that too, like um, with the whole Game of Thrones thing, because mm-hmm. this past year was the last season. Yeah, I believe so. Or like this year. Um, and so, like, everyone was like super excited. Yeah. And I was just like, well, it's like the eighth or ninth season. I don't know where it is. I think it was the eighth. The eighth season? Yeah. So I was like, by the time I even try to catch yeah. up, I have to watch seven seasons <laughs> of this show. And I was like, I don't have time for that. Yeah. So I was just like, whatever. Yeah. The only name I recognize is like Jon Snow. I think that's the name that yeah, everyone and, kept talking and about. Stark. I, I recognize the name Stark because I was like, is Tony Stark in the show? <laughs> have you still not seen it? I've, I've, I've not seen a single episode. Me neither. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen like a clip. But that's because I was like scrolling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll see images Mm -hmm. and and things like that, but never. I have no idea what the storyline is. I read the first book. Well, I didn't read the first book. I Mm -hmm. listened to the first book. Oh, okay. But other than that, I was like, okay, I guess this is cool. But Mm -hmm. it didn't really appeal to me. Yeah. You know, know, but so we've been talking about all the ways that our cultural clashes are have a negative effect. Mm -hmm. I think there are some that actually help us and put us at an advantage. Mm-hmm. And one of the things is with Eastern culture, it's more about the group than rather than the individual, right? It's more yes. about your family or it's more about your clan or your city, your country, whatever it may be. It's, mm-hmm. it's always do for the greater good, not for your own good, which is very different in the Western culture. Yes. It's very individual first, you got to be independent, all that. But all companies, they would rather have you think big picture, uh, mm-hmm. think for the greater good of the whole, right? So well, one thing that's helped me is I don't mind sticking where I am and being loyal to the company that I work for because that's kind of just built into who I am. Mm-hmm. But there are colleagues and friends who grew up in a western culture mm-hmm. who they can't stand it if something doesn't go their way and they'll just immediately go to a different company and they hop way more than i do so i've been out of college for 10 years almost now and mm-hmm. i've only been at two two companies and oh wow. yeah and i don't plan on leaving my current company anytime soon so it's um and i think my co- my company appreciates that they see it and they uh, invest in me more because they see that that I'm kind of in it for the long haul, um, so that's one thing where you don't really need to fight that upbringing in yourself. Um, you can rather embrace it and use it for your advantage. That, that actually brings up a pretty good point because when I was applying for all these public accounting firms, and I had like all these interviews lined up or whatever, um, Smith and Harrow is one of the first. Uh, companies that I interviewed with Mm -hmm. and so they called me back like immediately and like I was really hesitant because um I guess for people who are listening um I have a girlfriend Mm. who lives in North Carolina Mm. and one of the main reasons why I didn't want to go to Smith and Howard was because I was like I don't know where I'm gonna be in five years because you know there's like that interview question like 
where do you see yourself in right. five t- or ten years or whatever? Right. And you're supposed to answer it like, oh, I want to be in this company yeah. and I want to help this company grow or whatever. Uh-huh. And so I felt kind of bad. I was like, I don't want to like, Im- I don't want you guys to invest your time in me mm. for me to just be like, all right, see you later. I got other things I got to do. Mm-hmm. So it's just really interesting that you brought that up because I never really thought of that like that. Yeah. So like, I feel like people higher up probably do recognize that i'm pretty loyal yeah to where i am yeah i i've at my company i've had turnover uh for people analysts that work under me or the the analysts that i have to manage Mm -hmm. and it always sucks when someone who is finally starting to get how to do the work leaves and have to train someone new and it's it's always the worst but you know, um, I understand why they do it. It's, it's the best, better move for them to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the whole, though, it's newer employees are bound to be less defi- less efficient. Yes. So very true for the company. It's bad. But yeah, yeah, I, it's a it's a part of me that I'm glad I don't have to fight mm-hmm. that, that I can just embrace. Yeah. And, I can do just, that. and just kind of be true to myself and my upbringing. You just shed some good light yeah on me yeah, yeah. <laughs> i didn't realize it yeah i didn't like think about it that way I, i'm sure there are a, a lot of others as mm-hmm. well um, i think for one the whole respect thing mm-hmm. being in the south there are some american people who really appreciate it and yes. they don't really get often so when you do kind of respect them more than other people um they'll really take notice i think mm-hmm. yeah because I, I know this because I'm a consultant and I meet a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And there's a particular company that we're supporting in Thomasville, Georgia. Okay. Yeah. And so that's a very small town mm-hmm. kind of city. And, you know, they appreciate the, the the level of respect that you bring to older people. And, and yeah. That's good. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So, Andrew, in, in your journey from growing up in a town with barely any Asian Americans to suddenly being immersed in all Asian Americans, or I guess in a university or high school slash university mm-hmm. with all these Asian Americans, and then now being back into a predominantly white space, mm-hmm. do you feel like you, oh, what do you feel like you've learned about yourself or? What what have you experienced that you feel like you can share with other people going through the same thing? Um, I would say, like, hmm. don't be afraid to just like I guess be or like be proud of who you are. Mm. Um, I think in the first year that I was at Smith and Howard, mm-hmm. um, one of the biggest things i feel like i always did was tell myself that i really had nothing to bring to the table Mm. um and that's just because like i felt like i couldn't talk to anybody like when they would talk amongst themselves they would talk about things that i had no like Mm. Like, I couldn't chip into the conversation just because I had no, like, life experience, I guess, in that right. field or area that mm. they were talking about. And so um, I think it's just better for me to 
or like I've been learning to really just embrace who I've become mm. and then um, show people that. Um, I think one of the best things that happened to me this past year was like, so when I go out and audit like a client, um, we always eat lunch together. So mm. I'm like, I'm forced to eat lunch with everybody. Um, right. There are very few times where I can just eat lunch by myself. But um, so in that time, I know like I have to make some sort of conversation. Mm. Um, and so like it was pretty cool because I've been able to take some of my coworkers to like Korean restaurants. Mm. And then they'll be like, Andrew, just order for us. Because right. like at Korean restaurants, I'll usually approach you and speak in Korean. Yeah. Especially if they see a Korean. Yeah. And so th they'll always talk to me in Korean and I'll just respond in Korean. And like, they tell me like, that's like the coolest thing they've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, like I didn't really think about it that way. For right. me, I just always felt more burdened by it. Cause I was like, I don't know if I should talk to you in English or if I should talk to you in mm. Korean. But like for them, they're just like, oh wow, he's able to like do that. And so, um, I think I've definitely been learning to just embrace it. Yeah. And, and, like as far as like cultural clash like try to just see the best mm. of both cultures and because i'm pretty cynical um so i focus a lot on negative things mm. um so i have to like force myself to really see the positive light yeah in the situations that i'm at yeah no that's that's really great i, I would echo the same same thoughts um be proud no matter I mean, we were Korean American, so we spoke mostly about Korean American mm -hmm. cultural clashes. But I think it's true for any cultures. If mm -hmm. you're, if you have a dual identity, and what I mean by that is your upbringing and the area that you live in have different cultures, then just be proud of both because you have the ability to take best parts of both and kind of make that your own identity. So for anyone listening who is struggling with this identity crisis because you are in between cultures, uh, please don't feel that way. If you need someone to talk to, we're here. If you want to send us an email, you can send me an email at ihthtpodcast at gmail.com. That's I hope they hear this abbreviated podcast at gmail.com or connect with me on Instagram at I hope they hear this. And I would love to just talk about, just because I'm a little bit older, I'm in my 30s now, so I've gone through it. You've gone through it. So we, we know people who've gone through it. So if you are a younger Asian American or even if you're older and you're still struggling with it and you just want someone to talk to, we're, we're always here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm always down to talk to somebody about this. Yeah, because it's, it's very important, I think, uh, mm -hmm. to uh, be comfortable in your own skin and who you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, guys, uh, if... If, yeah, if any of that resonated with you, please uh, give us some feedback. I already gave you the email and the Instagram. So, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Andrew, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having yeah. me. Yeah, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.